Grace, mercy, and peace are yours this day from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, in a world where election news and pandemic news have gathered together and made us long for the days when we argued about simpler stuff like whether or not it's too early to listen to Christmas music or not, and it is the church ever on the cusp of relevance, has deemed it time within the liturgical calendar to talk about the end of the world. But not like the election end of the world, or the pandemic end of the world, or any of the other plates you're trying to keep spinning, but keep wobbling and convince you that it's the end of the world, not the fake ends of the world, like the real one. The one where Jesus returns to judge the living and the dead, that end of the world. The one where time ceases and that great endless day comes upon us and the dead in Christ are raised together with those alive to be caught up together in the clouds with the Lord in the air. That end of the world, not the fake one. Because as much as I was told that the election would usher end the end of days, thus far at least it has been unsuccessful, proving Twitter wrong once again. So watching everything wobble, but not actually fall, we'll hear a parable today about wise and foolish virgins, oil and lamps, and a bridegroom who is late to his own wedding, and you will all nod very sagely and pray, come Lord Jesus, with approximately one gazillionth of the attention that you gave to news pundits this week, telling you over and over and over again, there are still more votes to count. We don't know yet, but just keep watching for days on end because we don't know yet and we need to keep telling you that we don't know yet. And you did. Like, don't lie to me. People watched them say that over and over again. I know it because they got paid to say it over and over again. But still, come Lord Jesus, because, well, our Lord is late too. He told the disciples as he ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father, that he would be back real soon. And the truth is, it's a mess down here. We kind of need him. But after like 2,000 years of him saying, yo, BRB, it's just hard to take it seriously. I don't want to call the guy a liar on account of the fact that he literally rose from the dead. But still, if we have an entire season in the church year dedicated to the end so that we would remember that we're not allowed to be too comfortable down here because our Lord is coming back soon, I still cannot for the life of me but shake the feeling that it's still too far away to matter. And I'm not alone. From all of the churches that would forego something as trivial as the literal end of the world to talk about something that only feels like it in the name of relevance, to the world that is too quick to remind us that saying words like relevant already prove that we're not it. To the people who make lots and lots of money standing in front of cameras and telling us what we really need to fear, love, and trust in above all things, it just sort of feels like there's way more important stuff to talk about than Jesus returning to judge the living and the dead. But that's not new. Four years ago, the right went on actual television convinced that President Obama would not abdicate his office, would institute a coup and insist upon a third term. 
The left wrote that there would be nuclear war under President Trump, and it felt like the end of the world four years ago, and now it feels really quaint to think about. Well, 2020 makes memes about having 2016 hold its beer for likes on social media. Like, I'm not saying this stuff doesn't matter. It actually matters a lot. That's why we always think it's the end of the world. That and we don't actually know what the end of the world means anymore. So we don't really know what to say to each other other than to complain to each other about how much worse things are today than they were back in the day. Look for signs to try to predict what our Lord has already told us is unpredictable and then worry. But when you take all of the actual problems in the world and then mix in the idea that Jesus will come back to judge the living and the dead, but nobody can tell you when, aside from complaining, it really only leaves us with two things to say to each other and neither of them are particularly helpful. We can say, I don't know. I don't know when the end will be. I don't know why this is happening. I don't know when it will stop. But, you know, don't be alarmed for some reason. There is a plan. God has a wonderful plan for your life. Everything happens for a reason. But you don't get to know it. And it won't hurt less, even if you did. But still try and, I guess, find comfort in the fact that you have absolutely no control over your life and the God who does keeps doing things that you hate. It's not helpful. And even worse, just wait. Keep watch. Stay awake. Gather at the door until God gets around to showing up. When everything falls apart, wait. On your worst week in recent memory, wait. When you are suffering and confused, when you are lost and alone, just wait. Someday you'll go to heaven. It's good, right? Someday you'll see the ones that you have lost again. Someday it just won't hurt so much to be here. But not today. Just wait. When it all gets to be too much, just wait. Stay awake. Keep watch. And absolutely don't ask out loud who is late to his own wedding. It turns the church into something really dark. Something really sarcastic. It makes the church feel like the place that we get together once a week to give each other pep talks about pretending to be hopeful and joyful to impress God while simultaneously complaining about literally everything that we say he's in control of. But there's a parable about wise virgins, and we figure we've got to be them, the ones who were prepared for darker days, prepared to withstand absolutely anything. They had enough oil, so we'll make up some explanation as to what that oil must be, claim we've got it, and keep living our lives. We try and figure out what it is that we can just get enough of, be it faith or false praise or a lack of fear. We, we aim to manifest these things in our pep talks to each other, scrounge up enough oomph to smile in a world this dark, which, by the way, is the real reason people listen to Christmas music. Just lay off. It's not that big a deal. The thing is, some people hold out longer than others. But did you notice in the parable that oil or not, prepared or not, everyone falls asleep. The wise and the fools together. Sooner or later, it just gets to be too much. Everyone falls asleep. 
Christians are not given superpowers to hurt less or carry more. But still so many of us put on brave faces and try it anyway. I see us buy wholesale into that lie that we can and then collapse, wondering why we fell when we should have stood. And so much of it comes because we look at absolutely everything but the bridegroom himself. We look at the tribulations of this world and fret. We look at the late hour of the day and worry. We look at the oil in the lamps and try and prepare. We look at absolutely everything but God himself. And we miss the promise that he who loves you will be here. It changes the parable. You see, it's not that the foolish weren't prepared. It's that they left. They chased after all those things that they thought would be the end of the world. All those things that they were sure they needed to address right this minute. They chased after the oil they thought they needed. And they weren't there when the bridegroom came. See, the bridegroom, who doesn't know them, he's not upset about a lack of oil. It's that they weren't there. They chased after every wobbling plate to try and spin it up again. And did you notice in the text, it never actually says they found the oil they went looking for? It was like midnight. They didn't have Walmart back then. I'm just putting it out there. They were afraid of absolutely everything. And in being that way, managed to fix absolutely nothing. They lost the point of being here in the first place. This is not where we go to give each other pep talks so that we will be ready. The church is where we go to fall asleep. Because the bridegroom will be here. So we wait for him. And we fall asleep in Christ. We sit here in the dark together and we wait for the end, and we fall asleep watching the world decay and sing hymns while we do it. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful that the wise and the sleep, the, the wise and the foolish can fall asleep here together. It's beautiful because there is nobody that was not invited to the wedding. Even the fools were welcomed. There is nobody that the Lord would not have here except those who would be somewhere else. There is nobody that the Lord didn't come into this world to redeem. He came for the wise and the fools alike. He came for those awake and those asleep that they would be caught up together in the clouds with the Lord in the air. This is what our apostle tells us. That death has been so thoroughly changed by our Lord that we would not be afraid of it anymore. It is to fall asleep in Christ because we know that we will wake up again. For he who came into this world to redeem us fools bled and died for our sins upon that cross. He has redeemed us from all foolishness. He has given us a new identity not rooted in whether or not we are prepared, in what we have done or said, in what has been done to us. He names us his children. He clothes us in the waters of baptism. He names us his own and invites us to the feast that we would gather here unafraid to fall asleep in the darkest of days because the wise and the fools will wake up. Christ will come back to raise the living and the dead. And so we gather around that promise that he will be here. We gather around that promise that is spoken and sung and even more delivered. Everyone falls asleep. Nobody can change it no matter how much we fret about everything we think is the end of the world. But you know what's wonderful? Even though nobody can change it, nobody has to. It stops being your job to fix every single plate that wobbles in this world. 
It stops being your job to predict the end. It stops being your job to do anything but wait here and sing because our Lord will be here with you. Some will wander off, chasing what they're absolutely sure they need right now or else everything will fall apart. Keep singing what you know to be true. Who says the Good Shepherd will not bring them back before Judgment Day? Just be here so they can sing along with you when he drags them back in. And relax. The bridegroom was delayed, but he actually did come. This was told to Israel of old as they waited for their Messiah. But the Messiah has entered his world. The Messiah has joined his wedding feast. Christ came into this world, and with a cry called out, it is finished. He gave his life and rose again. And on that night that he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. The world missed it. They were all pretty sure there was much more important stuff going on. But the wedding feast has already begun. He invites you to his table. He feeds you with his body and blood. You are invited now to know that you are not alone in this world waiting for some day. You wait with the Lord who gathers here with you to forgive you your sins, to strengthen you in the promise that you will not be abandoned, that you will not be forsaken, to strengthen you to endure in this world until at last you can fall asleep in Christ knowing that you will wake up because even here and now the Holy Spirit is at work to call, gather, enlighten, sanctify, and even keep you in this faith. And so you are ready. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to worry about the ends of the world. Because even now the feast is going on. Even now you are given strength to face the darkest of days. In the certainty of the last one. The gift given to the church in this parable is not simply the command to wait. But the permission to rest. You can fall asleep here. Our Lord is coming and will grant the fullness of every promise, the resurrection of the body, the life everlasting, that life free from pain and evil, suffering and death. But even here and even now, today, there is rest. You can fall asleep here. He who conquered death has already worried for you, and he has done everything to save you. Here, you get to rest. In the name of Jesus, amen. And now